Hey everyone, I'm Ian Skura. And I'm Emily Hickmott. And welcome back to The Beat. This week's question is... What does it take to be a good speaker? Similar to last week, we reached out to six different experts on our topic from different parts of the country. This week's guests are Joshua Andrews, Kendrick Usheras-Rell, Ashley Dolan, Jeffrey Sewick, Ryan Davis, and Liz Ng. With our guests, we hope to introduce voices you might not have heard from that represent a diverse group of experiences. We will continue doing our best to find a diverse range of voices, but if you have any recommendations or ideas, please let us know in our Google form linked in the description of this podcast. And with that, let's just jump right into the interviews. All right. Welcome to our newest episode. Um, today we are talking to Joshua Andrews, um, and he started playing for UTSA in January of the World Cup 8 season, where he primarily chased. Um, he then made the inaugural MLQ Outlaws team and has been on the team ever since as both a keeper and a seeker. Um, starting in World Cup 10, he played for Texas Cavalry, and he has been there ever since. Um, he also currently lives in a house with three animals. Um, he lives with Joey the dog and Rocket the cat, and then he owes, owns Blue the dog, who is one of the goodest outlaws I've ever seen. Um, so welcome, Josh. Hey, glad to be here. Yeah. Um, so I guess just to start us right off, uh, how did you get involved in seeking? Um, so the first time I ever seeked was actually at my first tournament. And I think my first tournament was probably like literally two weeks after the first time I ever came out for Quidditch. <laughs> and it was literally like Luke Langlinay, Taylor Tracy, like Azim Hussein, that group, just dragging me to a tournament in Waco, which ironically I was from Waco originally. That's where I was born and raised. And I'm at this tournament. <laughs> I just started playing Quidditch. And I seek my first game. And I just wanted to get in the game, you know. I just want to play. And I think we're playing Baylor's B team. And there's a Baylor snitch. And I remember him telling me all the things I could and couldn't do. And, of course, I knew zero of the rules when it came to seeking. So here I am, <laughs> just trying my hardest. And I, I actually did pull it, I remember. But I remember the, the snitch was also very upset at me the whole time. <laughs> Great, great memories. Yeah. Also, that's just a great crew that UTSA. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, but yeah, that's seriously. Yeah, there's some uh, there's some players that um still playing to this day from that team. There's you know Luke Langlinay, obviously Team USA fame. Uh, Brooke Willett, actually now Brooke Langlinay, and um, Taylor Tracy. Oh, yeah. Wow. Azim's obviously still coaching the Lost Boys, and then other people like Doug that came right after that. But anyway. As it went on with UTSA, I mean, the next year I played Seeker a little bit more, and it wasn't really until Consolation Cup, which was essentially uh, Division Two Nationals that Texas State hosted in the um, USQ Cup Nine season, that I really played Seeker. I mean, most of the time I was just playing Keeper. I think Taylor would, uh, Taylor Tracy would seek, and it was that it was that Consolation Cup. I, I think I pulled like five or six snitches, and I was like, you know what? I really like doing this. And it was cool. I mean, we got to the finals against Baylor, and I think Reed Marchman, who was has always obviously been a fantastic seeker through his career at that point, and still at the top of his game at that point, pulled it against us in the finals, and I was like, dang, that one hurt. Because, like, <laughs> you this kind of a cool tournament. You pull on everything, and comes out of nowhere and I remember um, going to the outlaw season the only thing I the only thing I was doing is playing keeper and it was um, it was really hard to get on the field with that that was such a stacked outlaws team mm -hmm. and there was like Stevie Bell Cody Marshall obviously Augie I think Matt Gregoire was on that team as well so the keeper line was just absolutely was a unit you know it was, <laughs> oh Cole Travis was playing <laughs> at that point too so there was just some great, some great, great athletes, and it was really hard to crack. And I remember, like, I wasn't, like, I obviously wasn't able to make the um, roster for that um, MLQ championship in League City, like the active roster. I think it was on the reserves, 
And I remember thinking, like, man, I would, I need a way to crack the field somehow in this, like, stacked Austin lineup. And that's when I remember telling Luke Langlinay, we're at a UTSA practice, that, like, you know, we really need an elite seeker to go up against these Boston seekers because like, Harry Greenhouse was just pulling everything that tournament, I remember. And then, obviously, I think Jake had a championship catch in that tournament as well. Yeah. And that, that's really when, like, after the experiment, uh, experience at Constellation Cup and me just wanting to be on the field, I started training a lot to uh, play seeker the rest of that summer. That's what kind of got me into it. Yeah. So how have you kind of developed your seeking over the years? Um, and what are some ways that you've seen yourself improve? I actually think my biggest developments have actually been like um, in the mental game, like more being more cerebral. Um, so it's when you're going against these top tier snitches and you're not being able, you feel the progress that like you're not able to, you're not feeling like you're getting there. You're not feeling like you're getting close. And it's being able to step back and just not attack 100% of the time and breaking down what that snitch is doing against you. Whether it be like analyze how they're, they're holding their weight or how they're using their hands and learning to use that against them, like a counter, if you will almost like a wrestling or some, some sort of martial arts, but um, figuring out what you can do to counter their movements. So like if someone's top heavy, then maybe top, like faking up high, then going low, or the same thing for playing bottom heavy, or if someone's playing with a flat back, their back really extended from where, they're, where the snip chill is on their butt, then making these little moves that... And, within the hand fighting aspect of seeking and really throwing them off. And I think that's the biggest way it's, I mean, there's a lot to say, just like training and being in shape when you're seeking, it's a very high energy position. I, it's, it's when the, you know, you're playing very fast when the game matters most. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is it's actually a very, mentally taxing position as well. If you look at UFC, some of the best fighters are older because it's all about technique and they know how to turn a fight. And I'm not, and I wouldn't say like seeking is something that you would, you need to whack somebody around that, but it's something where you need to understand what, how they're defending themselves against you. Yeah. And when you're able to break that down mentally, then the better you're going to get. Yeah. It also... Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to respond and say, it also seems like, Maybe this isn't the case once you're a more experienced seeker, but um, when you're starting to get involved in seeking too, that it can be mental from the aspect of like when when you're not catching right away and and trying to like not let that kind of get you down and and still having the confidence that you can catch the snitch in general seems like another mental aspect of that. Oh, absolutely, I totally agree with that. I remember, I you're kind of getting tired and it's just not coming. Because you're new, you're new to it, and you're like, when am I going to catch this? But yeah, knowing, knowing, having your strategy in place, especially over time, understanding that, and being able to um, make those adjustments on the fly, and like you said, knowing, because it's hard to know when you're new. It's it's hard because there's so many snitches now, and they're just getting better and better, and they're just going to get better over time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's something I would stress to uh, my Seekers Ed coach of Texas last year. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, um, a lot of them were brand new, and I had a couple of them that were experienced. But I mean, we lost uh, John Anderson last year, and he was one of the top seekers at Texas. It was like a bunch of new seekers, and it was it was one of the things I really like that really made the biggest difference going down the stretch. I thought was getting them to not just attack a hundred percent of the time, just like be smart and efficient, because if you're if you're just attacking 100% of the time, you might wear that snitch down, but chances are it's going to wear you down. And across mm-hmm. that week, you get more important tournaments. But if you're being efficient with your minutes and being smart about how you're catching, and you're going to end up catching faster because you're going to be playing smarter. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so then kind of building from there and, and building from what you've learned seeking, are there particular snitches you've enjoyed seeking against or that have just challenged you in, in ways that you remember? Yeah, um, I mean, like I said, I think snitches have came so far in just the time I've played. Um, like I said earlier to y'all, that podcast for the snitches is wonderful. It's kind of interesting to highlight all the things that are on their mind. But um, for me, it's it's so different because like there's all these 
like really great Southwest snitches that I think of often that I play against often that I see often. Like obviously Gabe Garces is one that probably comes to most people's minds at first. I mean, probably when it's said and done, maybe the best snitch like ever, just in terms of like minutes per game. Yeah. <laughs> known for like long games. Obviously, Adil, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, coming from a different region as well, it's huge. And being successful, not only in the Midwest, um, in the Great Lakes areas where there's been tons of great seekers, a lot of uh, Team USA seekers yeah. coming here, where there's also been tons of great seekers. Um, Dylan Freeman, Trey Riles more recently, even Tim Wynn. Um, and then you have people from different regions, and people like Matthew Cooper, Anthony Hawkins, um, really strong, athletic guys that can throw you around even if you're much bigger, you know? Like yeah. They're going to be tough. I mean, that's saying like with Trey or Gabe. But, and then you have smarter snitches like someone like Tad. It's really fun against, to go against those guys that you hardly ever see. It's really, it's really fun to go against those people you see often too because, man, you really got to come up with something different for them because they know, they know what you want. But that's mm-hmm. what I was getting at to earlier is like assessing what they're trying to do to you and just having a counter ready, whether it be like they're throwing you left and then you're like, you're going left and then switching with your right, whatever it is. But it's really so much of a mental game. And then also I, I'd be remiss as not say Tyler Trudeau and Cody Kiefer, people that honestly just destroyed me at MLQ 2019. So um, someone that's also challenged me a lot and I, I feel like I'd also be remiss because he doesn't get as much love as he used to. And I feel like he used to get a lot of love as a, as a snitch. It's Craig Garrison. Uh, oh. I, I know he commented on that post the other day, but he's honestly such a great snitch to me. He's so long. And he's, and he, he counters whenever I throw out my, some of my counters that would I feel like I'm going to get a catch for against most of these top, even top snitches. Like he, It's just not happening against him. So uh, shout out to him. I think he's somebody that's a great snitch that doesn't get as much popularity. And it, whether, I don't know if that's, he doesn't want to snitch anymore. Or people just don't consider him a top snitch. He's very, very good. Yeah. I feel like from what you have talked about and then also what the snitches have talked about, it's kind of, you can imagine like a chess match between seekers and snitches where someone's trying this one move and then they adapt and then they adapt and it's just, constantly improving everyone involved, which is really cool. All right, our next guest on the podcast is Kendrick Ushera Sorrell, um, and he's played on The Lost Boys going on for five years now, um, played for the LA Guardians in MLQ for one season, and for the USA at Murder Cup in Canada. Uh, Kendrick primarily plays Chaser and Seeker, but uh, sometimes dons the green headband as well, plays a little bit of Keeper. Um, And in terms of animals in Kendrick's life, uh, his sister has three puppies, um, which are always crazy when he arrives, and his grandma has a dog. Um, And he's a wacky uncle to all of them. So, yeah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're so excited um, that we got to have you on. If you don't know, Kendrick hosts a podcast of his own, um, Casper the Friendly Ghost, I think, or the Friendly Ghost podcast. Um, it's great. Um, you should check it out. So to kind of start off, how did you get involved in Seeking? So how I got involved in Seeking, um, it was very, not accidental, but it was very a slow burn process. So on the Lost Boys my first two years, I would only seek in practice um, and not even seriously seek. I would just kind of be thrown out there just as an extra body. And the team always benefited from having about three, four dedicated seekers. I didn't really start to seek in a game game competitively until the th- my third season. And that was because pretty much all of our dedicated seekers except for one left that year. So I just kind of got thrown in there as just another seeker just to help the team win. So yeah, it I pretty much kind of just got thrown in because we needed a seeker and I'm usually the person that gets thrown in the positions if the team needs me to be thrown in there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, do you have any fun facts or stories 
from your seeking? Any like particularly memorable catches? I've mentioned this on my podcast, and I don't mean to plug my podcast on your guys' podcast. You're welcome but, um, to plug your podcast. <laughs> um, no, um, I, I'm now going to say whenever I get the chance that I caught Tad Walters three times in one tournament. Um, that's like, it's it's something that I'm pretty sure I'll never accomplish with any snitch ever again in Quidditch. So every chance I get, I will, I will say that. Another fun fact is, and my best friend who got me into Quidditch in general, he is the other seeker on my team, Justin Fernandez. I love him to death. He is a brother of mine. He is someone I trust in my life. And he's very passionate about seeking. And so when I say this next sentence, it will, it will tick him off. I am undefeated when I go against him. I've never... Whenever we both seek, I've never lost. So how I measure that is pretty much he's never pulled when I was also the seeker on the field at no point. And I bring that up to him every single time. So it's more of a fun fact for me simply because I know it eats him up inside, but it's still a fun fact nonetheless. That's definitely a fun fact, and I think you should start calling it a tad trick, kind of like a hat trick, because you caught <laughs> tad three times. Oh, man, yeah, like I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that. Um, so how have you continued to develop your seeking, um, and what what are some specific ways you think that you've improved as, as you've see- seeked? So... Because I was never a dedicated seeker when I started, I kind of would just go out there and just wing it. So I would literally just dive left and right, just wildly flail. Um, So I didn't really have any kind of game plan when I went out to seek. And when it became apparent that I was actually going to be a consistent seeker for the team, I pretty much went to my football background. Um, I played receiver a lot. And as a receiver, you come across corners that will play like a press coverage. And corners playing press coverage is similar to the snitch, simply because there's different ways to play it. Um, You have the overly aggressive snitch that will kind of like pretty much go after you to Mm -hmm. contact you. You have the patient snitch that waits for you to make a move. Um, So I started thinking about how how I should catch the snitch the same as how I would beat a press coverage. And it's worked for me. Um, I'm not saying that that is a tried and true formula, but it has worked for me. I have been able to pull a lot more because of it. And it's a lot better than for me to just go out there and just kind of like jump around. So yeah, I think that's the way I improved is just that simple mindset change and simple strategy change was able to, If like I'm not saying that I pull 100% of the time, but I am more effective seeking now because of that than I was before. Gotcha. Yeah, that's definitely something I feel like you heard when we talked to the snitches, um, they talked a lot about like reading the, what the seekers were doing. And uh, you're the second seeker we're talking to. And the first person we talked to also talked a lot about like reading what your snitch is doing. And I feel like when people start seeking, a lot of the times they just are like, I'm just going to throw myself at this and see what happens. Um, and I think that emphasis on like really reading and understanding what the snitch is doing is so important in actually getting good at seeking as opposed to just being an athlete trying to catch someone. Yeah, definitely. And like, like I said, um, I played receiver and we're taught to use our hands a lot. So when the corner puts their hands on you, we're taught to use our hands and slap their arms off of them. And not only does that, you know, allow certain type of space so you can be able to pull the snitch but also it makes the snitch change what they're doing because no one even because the snitches are very physical but even the most physical of people don't like to be slapped all the time 
So it's it makes them change up what they're doing because if they think that, okay, if I put my hands on him, he's going to uh, do this, now it's kind of like kind of like a chess match was like, oh, now I baited you into something. Now I can do this differently. So, yeah, that simple just being able to read what the snitch is doing in that split second and be able to counter it and if you're really effective, be able to have them do what you want is more or less kind of what makes seekers in the top tier great at what they do. Yeah. So do you have any snitches in particular you've enjoyed seeking against? So I always enjoy seeking against Anthony Hawkins. Um, he's now on the Lost Boys, so I don't really get that chance to as much. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy seeking against Anthony Hawkins. I enjoy seeking against snitches that are the best in the country simply because I'm I'm overly competitive. So I want to go against the best, regardless if I'm in that top tier or not. I want to go against the best because I want to see where I line up against the best. So Anthony, um, Trey, I'm, I'm blanking on his last name. Riles. In the Southwest, Trey. Really good. Yes, Trey Riles. Um, really, really good snitch I want to go against. Um, Gabe Garces, who, mm-hmm. like, my first two years in Quidditch, he pretty much was just, like, a mythical person of a man. <laughs> um, he, like, he was a reason for, I forget which rule change it was, but, like, he was the sole reason for, like, rule changes when it came to seeking. Like, I want to go against him. Just, I just want to, like, I always want to go against the best. But so far, Anthony Hawkins, hands down, because I've gone against him more than other people, I, that's by far my favorite snitch to go against. Gotcha. Yeah, I think like you're as like an athlete and a seeker, you're only gonna get better by going against the best. So I think that's a really good mentality to have all around. Also, my favorite memory, like one of my favorite memories is quid in Quidditch is the Tufts LSU game at World Cup seven. Um, Gabe was our snitch, but it was back when off pitch seeking was still a thing. And um, we were, like, Tufts was not a team that was built for, like, long snitch on pitches with people we couldn't tackle because Tufts couldn't tackle. Um, and so Greg, in one of the best off-pitch catches I've ever seen, like, Gabe was on the field, and Greg, like, snuck behind the bleachers and took, like, a different route to him and pulled. <laughs> and we won. <laughs> and, like, there's this picture of us like celebrating and it's just like we are so happy because like honestly if we tried to do snitch on pitch with LSU we would have died um Brad Armatore would have killed like torn us apart so yeah it's like every time sorry go ahead no it's all you're good no I was gonna say every time that I hear off pitch seeking stories I'm just so thankful I got into Quidditch when I did (laughs) <laughs> because I don't think I'm built for off-pitch seeking in any way. Yeah, it's not the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, our next guest is Ashley Dolan. She played for Skidmore Quidditch from 2012 to 2015 as a seeker, chaser, and beater. She then played for RPI Quidditch from 2015 to 2017, as a beater and seeker primarily. She then played for the Bosnian Bear Sharks for the next two years as a beater, seeker, and chaser, um, and played for Revolution Quidditch last season as a beater and seeker. She's also played for the Boston MLQ team from 2017 onwards, and she is going to be getting a dog in like March, and it's likely gonna be a Bernie Doodle, which if you haven't looked it up, it's a cross between a Burmese Mountain dog and a poodle, and it's the cutest thing in the entire universe. Um, so hi, welcome, Ashley. Hi, thank you for having me. Um, so I guess just to jump right into some questions about seeking, um, how did you get involved as a seeker since you've been doing it for, it seems like most of your time playing Quidditch? You can call me old, it's okay, but yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna call you old. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I actually joined Quidditch specifically to seek. Um, So when I joined college, um, 
my freshman year, uh, it was a lot of kids running around with like capes and clotheslining people and calling it tackling. So I like wasn't really interested in the Quidditch team at that time. Yeah. Um, I was still trying to start a track team at my school. That's a different story. But um, basically, I had gotten become infamous on campus for being really really fast. Um, and so I was like, hey, you know, uh, seeking looks like something that a fast person could do. I would like to do that. And the team, my sophomore year, had been taken over by Rafi Karen, who was a former football player and was actually teaching people how to tackle and, like, play the sport correctly. So I was super into it and was, like, super ready to join sophomore year. And he was like, "We, yeah, we definitely need a seeker. No one wants to do that. And I was like, why? That looks like the most fun position to play. <laughs> so I joined specifically to seek. And uh, back in 2012 the snitches were a lot more like cross country runner builds and like fast rather than like wrestling. And like, there was less strategy to it then. It was more just them running a lot. So mm. it was a lot of me running a lot. So it was a good time. So seeing as how you kind of started when seeking was totally different than it's kind of evolved now. Um, how have you continued to kind of train and adapt your own seeking game uh, to fit like how snitching has changed? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So when I started out, yeah, like I was saying, it was a lot of just like, if you were fast enough to keep up with the snitch, they weren't always great at turning back around. You kind of just grab it as they were running and they would just assume you weren't going to catch up to them. Um, there was also off pitch seeking. So there was just like this element of walk to the top of a hill and wait till the snitch comes back and then down. <laughs> like the seekers became really good friends in that era because you would usually just walk off together and uh, chat for like 10 minutes until you saw the snitch go back on pitch and then make your way back. Um, there was also, unless you really didn't like the team, then the strategy was to like, you would run. So they felt obligated to run and you tried to, you know, wear them out <laughs> before you mm -hmm. actually had to. But um, yeah, so as the sport evolved and like, snitching moved more in the direction of like knowing how to shift your body weight like more wrestling style moves there's still some element of like obviously running but there was more strategy once it stayed on pitch and everything so I definitely looked more into learning about wrestling so okay actually I would say even when I was still at Skidmore um my coach so Rafi uh practiced like we had seeker practices so Christina and I were the the two seekers on the team and things we would do is he would show us, like, at the time it was really effective as, like, this spin move where you'd work on shifting your weight to lower your shoulder while pushing up the snitch's arm with your, like, upper arm and then trying to duck under him and spin your body to catch. Um, so that became less effective as the snitches got more advanced and started to have more skills at how to like move, meander with seekers. Mm -hmm. So the way I adjusted was like, I worked with Harry a bit, like asking him about wrestling stuff, resources I could use to study wrestling on my own and how to apply that to shifting my weight more uh, expertly against snitches that also knew how to do that better. How have you kind of seen your seeking change as time has progressed? I would definitely say there's a lot more uh, strategy to it than when I was first starting out. Um, so it's a lot more like, okay, let me mentally think about the matchup I'm going against. What kind of snitch is this? What kind of strengths does this snitch have? Where are the snitches like blind spots and weaknesses and how can I like exploit them in order to like secure a catch faster or enable my chances to get a catch faster? Um, and then practicing those ahead of time, like not waiting till the day of a tournament to like think about them, but having these ideas in my head, like, okay, if it's this snitch with this kind of strategy and this kind of build, I need to do this versus another snitch with a different build, a different strategy, I need to do this. And then practicing those different strategies kind of just constantly so that when it came time to like seeing who the snitch in a game was, I wouldn't have to think so much on the field. It would kind of become more second nature. And then because for me, I'm not very tall and I'm not very big. So I can't really rely on like going through a lot of snitches. Like a lot mm -hmm. of them are stronger than me. And I can't, I can't put, like, even if I have the best hands in the game and I have the best like, like idea or strategy and I execute as best as I can, if I don't have enough strength to physically move a snitch's arms out of my way, 
and I can't like close that gap, it doesn't matter how much skill I have. So the only way to kind of adapt around that is to just be so fast and persistent that eventually the snitch makes a mistake because you're just constantly like getting up and going at him over and over and over again. Um, and that doesn't lend time for me to be like constantly thinking about the mental end of seeking while doing it in, in a game. So I need to kind of have that already as like a second nature beforehand. Have you ever looked at like a tournament schedule beforehand and like looked at the snitches and then done that scouting? I know some of the snitches we talked to, they would be, they would like scout the seekers. Um, do you find yourself scouting <coughs> snitches at all? For like major tournaments, like regionals and nationals, I've done that. Um, on for smaller tournaments, it's sometimes hard because they it's not always. I feel like it's, it wasn't always listed. Like it would just be like this team is going to provide refs and a snitch. And so unless I like knew who was certified on the team or like knew everyone, it wasn't always super effective for me to know who like all the different options were. But in general, um, I don't think I know every individual snitch as well as I should. Um, I generally make like an assessment based on like if we're I'm already at the tournament I'll watch I'll always watch um, when I'm not playing the end game um, of like other teams so I see who what the snitch was doing during those games yeah um, knowing that they're at the tournament um, and then other than that I just kind of go by like body type as well like so if they are small enough for me to physically <laughs> reach around them <laughs> versus um, if like they're not or they're very good at like getting their like butt out and their body low so there's it doesn't matter if they were small enough anyway because they're good at their like shifting of their positioning and stuff then I would like think about adjusting that way but generally I usually just kind of watch them at a tournament or if it's like a well-known snitch that I already know then I already know what I have to do <laughs> yeah gotcha. oh. so who's a snitch you've super enjoyed seeking against oh Definitely Anthony Hawkins. Um, he okay, so he's one like one of my favorite people because as a snitch, he's like super nice and super friendly before a game. Um, isn't like cocky at all. Just is extremely talented and lets his talent speak for his ability on the field. Um, and is also just like if you just very approachable. Like after um, MLQ one time, I like went to Team USA tryouts just to, like, try to get some practice in and, like, learn from the really good people that were there. And he had, like, so many good seeking tips for me and, like, just let me get reps in practicing, which was extremely nice. And as a snitch, he's really good, so he's definitely like, a really good challenge for me. Anytime I get to go against him, I, like, learn more about seeking as a position from the defensive end and the offensive end. So our next guest on the podcast is Ryan Davis. Um, Ryan started playing Quidditch in 2015-16 as a player for Gamecock Quidditch uh, right before South Regionals um, and went to a ton of fantasy tournaments over the summer, um, just kept playing Quidditch. Um, Co-founded the Carolina Heat team the next year where they chased and seeked. Um, and then next year was on Florida's Finest before Florida's Finest eventually disbanded the following year, I believe, and then joined Terminus. Um, where they've played for the last two seasons. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are really excited to get to talk to you. Um, so how did you get involved in Seeking? So that's kind of a funny story. So essentially, uh, South, I'm not sure if it was South Regional. I might have played one tournament before South Regionals in Charleston. I don't totally remember, but basically we had um, one of the seniors on our team, his name was Kyle Demo, and he um, he dislocated his shoulder uh, seeking, and so we were like, well, well who's going to do it? And it kind of just ended up being me, and I miraculously caught a snitch in that game somehow. I have no idea how. Um, and so then kind of South Regionals came around, and University of South Carolina at that point was still very much a very young, very developing team. We got blown out a lot. Uh, so I did a lot of defensive seeking action, and we ended up having like a 44-minute game um, at wow. South Regionals because of defensive seeking. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was – and so then that kind of turned into – and then I really kind of 
it was one random fantasy tournament in I think I think I was at Hostra I went to that seeking just kind of clicked for me all at once. And yeah, and that was and that was kind of it. And then I kind of got dragged in and kind of have done it ever since. Yeah, I know. In your when you send over your intros, you had some fun stats. What are your current seeking stats? Huh? I have to look it up every time. So I think currently I am seventeen and three in snitch on pitch games. Is my is my current? Um, uh, the, when I did when we did uh, currently. Heat. Um, we played a ton of in-range games, uh, and I went like 8-0. That season, Florida's Finest, uh, that first year, I went 4-0. Uh, and then Terminus, I had a 1-1 season, and then I had a 4-2 season. Uh, yeah, and then I had a 4-2 season this uh, past year. So it's been it's been pretty good. Dang, that, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I, there, there are a couple games that I was present at. Like, for example, this last year's Nationals, I was there, but I wasn't seeking because I fractured my arm like three weeks before playing intramural soccer. Um, gotcha. So that was a great time. But yeah, so it was, uh, it was super fun. So then with all of the successes you've been able to have, how have you continued to develop your seeking game um, once you started getting into it? Yeah, so the the first thing I, I really had to do was I had to put on some really kind of transitioning from the college game, per se. Because um, when I played on Carolina Heat, we were still very much a college team, really. We had a couple of... This is before the college community split. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the South, we were really played... I, I played majorly in the South, and that was pretty much always against entirely against college teams. Um, and snitches were just a lot smaller. Uh, so the first thing that I really had to do to kind of bump up my game, I ended up getting, like, 35 pounds of, like, muscle mass just to kind of allow me to compete um, because I did kind of mirror my game initially, at least off Harry Greenhouse. That was... He was kind of... I look to, and that's where I like you know the classic Harry Greenhouse shoot the leg. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a move that pretty much every seeker um, of kind of that stature should have in their repertoire. Um, I think that's great. Um, and and yeah, then other than that, it's just a lot of trial and error um, of just going to practice or going to games and really. And you know, just in those games that you know you know you're winning, or even sometimes the ones that are close of just trying something new because if you're trying something new chances are the snitch hasn't seen it either and that's going to throw them off because seeking is as much of a physical game as is a mental game and if you can kind of catch the snitch off guard you're going to have a way better chance of pulling gotcha were there any like specific um techniques or styles or anything that like struggled with at first or or kind of like waited to to kind of adapt to your own game or yeah i guess like what have been some fun parts in improving as a seeker over the years i'd say the hardest thing is the learning curve for seeking is huge um and it really just comes down to kind of developing an unconscious awareness of where that tail is in regards to where you are. Because when you're when you're really kind of going at a snitch, you're going to be attacking from all sorts of levels. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of your body position, if you know, you're sideways, you're kind of upside down, just kind of knowing where that snitch tail is, yeah. I think it's super, super important. And that just comes from practice and just kind of continually going at it. Um, another fun one was just literally kind of having somebody and just, you know, you have a move and you just have them stand there and you just practice it over and over and over again to see if it kind of becomes viable. Because obviously if you're trying something for the first time, it might not work. Mm-hmm. But if you kind of have a, a good idea behind it and why it should work, um, then you just kind of got to get the motion down to like muscle memory and then you can kind of go with it from there. Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so you talked about a lot about defensive seeking or like both you did a lot of that to start um and i think with the mlqm game and possibly even the new iqa end game defensive seeking is going to become a thing that is going to be more commonly than just in games team is being blown out so you 
recommendations on offensive seeking styles? So I actually think the IQA endgame might actually encourage just as much defensive seeking as it currently does. Um, I think the IQ endgame just kind of shifted when seekers are going to try to be catching. Um, because, like, from a, like, my, I believe it's you have to, if you catch and it doesn't win you the game, you have to score three more points. Um, so that would be, you know, you're down three. And then you catch your tied knight and score three more points. It's almost always going to be more beneficial to just defensive seek there, score one more point, and then pull the win. It needs to do a yeah. lot less work. Um, I think I've personally never played under the MLQ rule set. Uh, that's something the Southeast hasn't quite done. Uh, uh, I played under a, a semi version of it. I played under that um, that developmental infinite snitch catch, catch rule set, and that was and that one. You know, there was really literally no defensive seeking ever because catching a snitch was worth a lot less points. But you can you know just do it over and over and over again. Um, I think defensive seeking is something that needs to be phased out eventually, um, or at least done in kind of shorter bursts. Like a great example I like to use is like, uh, is Josh Andrews, right? Like he gets into a kind of a, you know, both seekers are going at the stitch. He prefers to, you know, take the defensive route there and say, I'm going to go ahead and wait for, you know, my beaters to kind of clear out this other uh, seeker, and then I'm going to go back to trying to catch. Um, I think that should kind of be the future of defensive seeking, not just having a, a seeker kind of put their back to the snitch and just live there indefinitely. Um, I think that kind of drags on games and is more boring to watch. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, but that's also a big part of actually how I became a snitch, which is defensive seeking. Yeah, I guess that, that also makes a lot of sense and like... It, but in the end, as a snitch, you just have the ability to kind of use both arms then, too, because you don't have to worry exactly. about the room. Exactly. So I guess transitioning then to snitching, who who is a snitch or who are a few snitches that you've enjoyed seeking against? In terms of raw challenge, um, I love going against Tyler Trudeau. I think he is kind of, in a sense, the worst possible matchup for me. Him and Tim, him and Tad Walters are kind of in the same boat there. Um, they're tall, they're strong, and they have long arms, they know how to backpedal. And I, I think that, you know, I'm not particularly tall, so I'm like, you know, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and they both, you know, tower over me. So, especially Tyler. Um, and, <laughs> and so, he is... I, I've gone against him in a lot of big games, and he is the, the most fun I think I've ever had because I, I personally can't lose the challenge. Um, that's what you know kind of makes me want to continue seeking. Mm -hmm. But I think another one would have to be Anthony Hawkins. Anthony Hawkins is is for me that's kind of more of a we're kind of the same body size, we've kind of similar strengths, um, and so that's just a great matchup all around. Yeah, the I feel like all the I mean there's so many talented snitches, but the ones you named too it. It makes a lot of sense, and like the the way the matchup seems to line up with your, like your seeking style and abilities, and yeah, I'm I'm sure those those make it for some really fun um, snitch on pitch play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what recommendations? Sorry, do you have um, for anyone who is having trouble with a specific snitch? So my first recommendation is, you know, it, it depends, right? So I think, you know, in the Terminus kind of standpoint, right, like I am our team's only really kind of seeker. Um, we have our Tyrell Bird. He's our kind of our secondary uh, seeker in that sense. And we kind of have a community seeking for after that. But, you know, in situations where he also happens to be one of our top beaters, so pulling him off the field to come seek is always kind of more detrimental to us in a in a cinch on pitch game. Um, and, and so, you know, in that situation, my job is if I'm really having trouble, my answers, I just got to figure it out, right? Um, I think the first thing you need to do as a as a seeker, right, is is look at your bench because a big part of 
seeking is knowing your matchups. And you just kind of, once you get exhausted, you're staying on, just you kind of sitting there just kind of making attempt after attempt when, you know, your probability of catching is just dropping. That's not helping your team anymore, right? Because that's just exhausting your beaters. Your beaters are giving you time, and you're not really maximizing most of the time because you're exhausted. Um, but in the other situations, I feel like that's when you have to just kind of draw out new stuff, right? Like, just how you would, like, juke a tackle, for example, you can apply the same kind of stuff to snitches, right? Um, I think a big part of being a seeker is being able to use both of your hands. Like, if you've only gone with your right hand, for example, for the, uh, the past, you know, like, two or three minutes, try going with your left. You know, try, you know, some diving catches. Try doing some slides. Kind of just kind of mixing up your approaches is, is kind of the, the best way. And if really none of that works, then you should let somebody else have a look, right? Um, I, I think a, a big part of being a seeker, even if you are the only seeker, is kind of letting your ego go in a chance of that just because you couldn't catch doesn't mean you're not a good seeker. It just means that you're up against a really good snitch. And giving somebody else, at the end of the day, your job as a, as a seeker is to help, is to win your team the game. And that sometimes it just might not always be, you know, you in particular. Um, so I think that's kind of a big thing a lot of seekers have to realize. All right, our next guest is Jeffrey Sewick. He started playing in the fall of 2013 at Illinois State, where he played keeper for the first two years. Um, junior year, he took on seeking and became more of a utility player, both seeking and chasing. Um, he also joined the Indianapolis Intensity in its second year and has been on the team ever since. He briefly played for the Brew City Warriors before helping to start Boom Train, um, where he now plays. And he, he and his roommate recently got a dog named Bolin. So welcome to the podcast, Jeff. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. Awesome. Thanks for, ha thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Um, I guess just to get us jumping right into it, um, how did you start getting involved in Seeking? Yeah. So there's a story behind that. I, as Emily had said, started playing for ISU in the fall of 2013. And my first two seasons, there was always an established Seeker. But by the time my junior year rolled around, our Seeker had graduated. And at that point, I was just elected captain of the team, and we had no seeker. And I was like, well, you know, we need a seeker. I might as well just do it. We'll see if I'm any good. Um, and it turned out I was okay. Yeah, I would say you were pretty good. Um, believe you were picked for Team USA 2016, correct? That's I was, fun. yeah, in 2016. And then I deferred it to Jason Bowling, who went. Gotcha. That's still pretty impressive because at that point, was it like a year or two of you seeking and you're making Team USA, which is awesome. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. So how have you kind of developed your seeking um, and what are some ways that you've seen yourself improve? I started to develop it kind of by experience, by practice. The first time I seeked was uh, my sophomore year, our seeker that year couldn't make a tournament and I was pretty bad and I was like maybe I won't seek at all but then I kept at it and in practice I would seek a lot we did a lot of seeker drills thankfully on my team at Illinois State I had two in my opinion very good snitches in Jeremy Hoffman and Jackson Matini and so we would work a lot and just like practice and develop certain skills and moves and kind of talk about what snitches do what how can we exploit their weaknesses, things like that. So really just by repetition and having conversations about the right strategies really helped develop it to what it is today. And now in today's world, matchups are more important than ever about anything. But in terms of my own skill, just really having conversations about strategy. Were there any particular kind of um, like hurdles in styles or types of matchups for you that you had to sort of overcome as you, as you continue to grow as a seeker? Jackson Matini. Oh man. If he's listening, Jackson, you've given me so much headache and trouble, but I love it. I love you for it. <laughs> I, uh, 
when I first would play certain snitches, you have to kind of observe what they're doing and, you know, try to determine what the best way to attack is. And I have a very, my fundamental style is kind of like the flashy dive, which doesn't always work. Um, and so you mix it up and you try different things. And Jackson was really good at adopting to what I would adapt to. So we were constantly like playing like this chess battle where we would like switch one thing up and by the start of like a practice to like two months later, we're doing totally different things to try to compensate to like defeat the other person. <laughs> um, and that doing that kind of thing helps just a lot. Both, I believe, him becoming a better snitch and me becoming a better seeker. So it's it really comes down to just again that practice and talking about how to to seek and snitch really. That makes a lot of sense. Um, are there any other snitches you've enjoyed sneak seeking against? Yep. So I mentioned uh, Jackson and then. Jeremy as well. If there's a third one I'd have to pick, I would say Matt Fiebig. He doesn't snitch very often, um, but when he would, and we, he would snitch sometimes in boom train practice, he was always, he's just like a brick wall, if you know who he is. He's just like this giant man. He's jacked. Um, just this force to be reckoned with. And uh, he definitely, like, he's very, very physical, and so I've always enjoyed practicing with him as well because you see a whole variety of snitches out in the wild, of course, from, you know, people that run away to people that do want to get up in your face and be physical and grapple with you. Gotcha. Um, and then getting to practice with these different snitches, you mentioned especially with uh, Jackson, I believe, the just like back and forth and how different your strategies became. What is that like then kind of going onto the field in a tournament against like a snitch who maybe doesn't get to uh, snitch against you very often or at all. Um, does that kind of help you just quickly have like a plethora of options to throw at them like right from the get-go? Yeah, so having that experience does help. What I would always do at tournaments is I would always try to watch the snitches in our games, whoever was assigned. I would try to go to a game or two before our game happened and watch them snitch. I would see what's, what the move seekers are throwing at them and what the snitches were doing. And again, working with these, these snitches did help give me more options. You know, I could see more about what people were doing and kind of what the current, like, the current meta is, if that makes sort of sense. Yeah. I'm to think of words. <laughs> you know, what was popular at the moment for, like, stitching style and things. And I would go to these, these matches and I would watch the Seekers go into snitches, and I would really look mostly keenly on how they caught them was the biggest thing, because as I saw, whatever way they caught, unless there was some, like, weird, you know, like, under the legs, which doesn't happen too often, they happen, though, I'd be like, okay, I want to, like, you know, try to attack this side of the body, maybe I need to do a, you know, a fake one way, go the other, or size it up, kind of see whatever the snitches were doing and try to determine what the best way to attack them is. Yeah. I would just like to say, from my experience, which was the Bosnia Boom Train game, the first one at Heroes vs. Villains this year, you had the fastest catch I've ever seen against Anthony Hawkins, and it was so <laughs> clean. And I was just like, I remember standing there being like, yeah, that's just great. That's just a great catch. So I think it's def I definitely have been able to see how like well you read stitches. <laughs> Thank you. That actually, that's a, that's funny. Because um, the previous year at Hers was Villains, we had Hawkins and Boontrain versus the Heat game in the final. Or no, I think it was a semi. We, I forget what actual part that was. But I know we had Hawkins as a snitch. And that's the first time I faced him. He just wrecked me. Um, and then this is the second time I got to face him. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> so, like, you know, with experience, as you, as you start to develop it, you get better. Are there any snitches who you haven't gotten to seek against who you want to? I would love to snitch or seek against Tyler Trudeau. Hmm. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick one, I'd say Tyler and Jamie Luby is another snitch I'd really love to go against. Hmm. Those two for sure. Yeah. Fun fact: I think the first time I caught a snitch was Tyler Trudeau during Emerson House League when he was down to one hand. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing, but I, I caught it. I was like, how did this happen? 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> a while ago. But yeah. Um, our next guest on the show is Elizabeth Ng, um, and she started playing Quidditch as a freshman at UCLA. Uh, spent the first two years with UCLA's B team, the Wizards of Westwood, playing mainly as a chaser, um, but then started seeking in her second year since no one else really wanted to, uh, and then played on UCLA for two years, uh, again mainly as a chaser, but then started seeking more her final year. Uh, in the summer, after her third year of playing Quidditch, uh, Liz played for the Los Angeles Guardians in the last iteration of MLQ in the West, and then uh, and chased and seeked there, and then played for Team USA in the summer after her senior year as a seeker. So welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. So um, can you kind of give us a little more information on how you got involved in seeking? <laughs> Okay, well, basically it was, so my first year playing um, for the Wizards of Westwood, we were really lucky. We had like a really great B team. Um, we had people that should have been on like UCLA that chose to stay down um, on the Wizards of Westwood. So we were really good my first year. And fast forward to the second year, <laughs> well, um, people like graduated, everyone, like people moved up to the A team. Um, so we're pretty thin. <laughs> we, you know, like could barely muster up like, 10, 13 people rosters to like tournaments. Um, and basically that was, we had such like a lack of experience um, and no one wanted to seek. No one had seeked before. No one was like interested in seeking really. So I was like, whatever, like I'll try it. <laughs> like, why not? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I started, I wasn't very good, um, but you know, I, our team wasn't that good either, if <laughs> I'm being honest. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of like defensive seeking and yeah, just getting out there, getting running a lot, <laughs> building my stamina basically. Um, were there any moments in particular when you sort of started seeking that like made you want to stay with it? Um, I think I remember there was one game that um, I think I actually caught it and but we were like way down so it was like didn't even make any difference um but i just remember like being in so like basically like i said like we didn't have very many players on the team and not a lot of people turned up to tournaments so i like stayed in basically the whole time as a seeker i didn't sub out once we had like and i just remember watching like the other team like i went through like five of their seekers <laughs> um and just like running it out and i was like you know what like this is kind of fun like <laughs> i can run around like i'm at least like out running these people, all <laughs> these other seekers. So maybe I have a chance, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think it was just like fun in the end for me. Just kind of like wrestling with these usually like bigger dudes that <laughs> I normally wouldn't have a chance against. <laughs> so have you kind of developed your seeking um, and like grown? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely like, I've like learned from people just like watching them and like talking to people and I think with seeking just like getting a lot of like reps in getting a lot of practice is probably like the biggest um, biggest way you're going to improve um yeah I, I think I like the the one like I remember Josh Ishizaki I think his name is from um Long Beach that he was like the first one to really like tell me what to do <laughs> and I was like oh that kind of makes sense <laughs> that works <laughs> uh, it was like at a fantasy tournament where I like was like all right I'll, I'll seek if no one else wants to and I think like I did like really well seeking in that tournament so props to, to Josh <laughs> for that one and then yeah and just like watching other people and I think like seeking against lots of different type of snitches as well um, is helpful. and also seeking against like Anthony like the best snitch ever <laughs> who i'm lucky enough to have in my region <laughs> gotcha. yeah. um i guess you sort of started talking about anthony but uh who are some snitches that you've enjoyed seeking against then yeah i mean definitely and like i have so much like respect for him for what he does um and i obviously like go up against him a lot because he's in my region and um and when i played for the guardians that he was like the assistant coach so like after mm -hmm. practices we would all like you know at the end of practice we'd do a lot of um yeah like one-on-one -on -one 
um, speaker practice. But yeah, I could like never catch him. <laughs> I'm always like surprised when anything happens in my favor. <laughs> but yeah, he's great. Um, yeah, I'm like really bad with names and like, I always say um, that like when I play, I like black out. I don't remember anything that happens. <laughs> so yeah, I remember like, yeah. Are there any, yeah, I guess basically. like games or tournaments where you remember just like a specific, uh, like whether you remember the snitch or not, just like a specific matchup that stood out to you? Yeah, um, there was one at nationals my final year that I just remember walking onto the field and like the I, like I don't know who he is or where he was from, but he was so tall. He was the tallest person like I've ever seen. <laughs> and I like I like walked up to him and I was like, even if I like lie myself sideways, I I can't get past his arms. I was like, I like how am I gonna do this? And yeah, I, I don't know how I caught him, but I think I just kind of like had to like you know my way underneath him <laughs> to kind of get around him because um and i mean yeah like some of my most like memorable snitch catches have probably just been at, like honestly like against anthony just because i like when we um were like practicing for guardians that i i don't know if like i ever caught him while we were like practicing in those one-on-ones i don't know if i ever caught him and so Every time, like, if it's in a match, I'm always thinking, like, okay, so I just have to basically run him out, like, try to get all the past all the handicaps and just, you know, wait for him to be tired enough to make a mistake. Um, and, yeah, so whenever I catch him, <laughs> I'm, like, super shocked and, and really excited. I think there was, like, one that was caught on camera that um, I, like, went over him. And that was, like, the first time I tried that against him because he usually gets really, really low that I didn't know if I could make it over, but yeah, I got him. And I was super shocked. You can like see it in my face. <laughs> uh. yeah. And where, like, how was it seeking for Team USA last summer? Oh, it was really fun. Um, it's so awesome knowing that, you know, all these people like have your back. And even if you like make a mistake, there's no way that your team is going to really, you know, take a hit for it. <laughs> Which is, yeah, um, yeah, like the the beaters are amazing. I've like never played in um, a team where like, which it was like so nice that as a seeker, like usually I don't really know what I'm doing. So I just feel like I'm just kind of like winging it. Um, but, you know, in terms of like when I should like go and like when I should hold back, but it was really nice having um, beaters like like actually just telling me what to do so in the end I was like all right just tell me what to do like <laughs> if you want me to go tell me to go if you want me to stay back tell me to stay back um, and yeah it just like really changed up that like side of the game for me um, having all these people with so much experience actually like yeah telling me what I should be doing and when <laughs> yeah I think like the relationship between beaters and seekers is such a big part of being successful of that and I think more teams should work on like improving that overall communication between them because it I know like when Greg did his midline um video he was talking about how like you have to work with your beaters because if it's just like everyone just constantly running wind sprints that's not gonna go well for anyone exactly yeah everyone's just gonna get tied out Thanks again to all our guests. Uh, we really appreciate getting to speak with y'all. During our intro for Ryan, we forgot to mention that they have two adorable cats, Yaskier and Cerulea. Um, Toss a coin to your witcher. Uh, Yaskier is a devious food fiend and he can open doors. Um, and he also loves to scream while Siri is much more quiet and reserved. Um, additionally, while Liz does not have any cats or pets currently she does have a fun fact and that is that she's lived on four different countries on four different continents which is fantastic two of our guests actually have their own podcasts uh kendrick has a podcast called the friendly ghost podcast where they talk about topics in quidditch and have great convos with great people 
Uh, Jeff co-hosts a podcast with Scott Ryan called Quid, Coffee, and Trees, where they talk to different guests from the Midwest, as well as discussing what type of bender their guests would be from the uh, Avatar Last Airbender or Legend of Korra bending. And you can find both of those podcasts on Spotify. So one of our main takeaways from our guests was how much thought it actually takes to seek successfully. Being aware of what the snitches are doing, how they've been caught, and then applying these observations is a big part of why these people have been so successful seeking. Um, for those of us who are trying to get better at seeking, I think that having a lot more intentionality in how you're watching film, watching snitches, and then what you are actually doing will help a lot um, to kind of improve overall. Another key takeaway we noticed was the importance of just practice and communication. Uh, being able to talk with your teammates, uh, especially your beaters, can help you to maximize the opportunities you get to catch a snitch in a game. Um, since you're only going to ever have so many opportunities as a seeker, it's important to know when to fully go for a snitch and what ways you should try and catch so that your beaters can be in a position to help you have more time and space. Um, and being able to communicate and then also just practice that will help you know where to be in those moments. Yeah. Um, thanks again to Nick Jablonski, our producer, and Christina Gux, who creates the music we have on our podcast. Please remember to submit any questions you want us to discuss in the form linked in the podcast description, as well as any suggestions um, you have for the show. Um, thanks again to all of our guests and all of our listeners. Um, I hope you have a great week or weekend, depending on when you're listening to this. And with that, we'll catch you next time.